Don Rogers, come on up. This is one of my best friends, and I'm so thankful that he's in my life. I cried and cried and cried lots of tears when he uh, moved back from Hawaii and, uh, so that we could spend regular time together. And um, fun fact, Don Rogers here was doing junior high ministry with Phil Christensen, and he also did junior high ministry when I was doing high school ministry. So something that we have in common, we're kind of bridging the gap between last week and this That's week. That's right. Last as we week think was about it. rich. It was fun is what it was. If you didn't catch last week, really want to be encouraging you to share your faith and uh, just fun stories with Phil and I, my old buddy, and how he came to Christ and uh, just some key, key elements of vulnerability, especially vulnerability and humility and hospitality. Those three things are very important. But uh, Donnie's going to share this morning. We're going to do some creative stuff. Uh, we do have a polling opportunity for you. So if you have the polling app, I would pull that out. In fact, the question's already there. So if you wanted to get out ahead of it, you could. Um, but um, Jared, maybe you could put up that QR code for us. I'm putting him on the spot. Thanks, Jared. Jared, doing a great job back there behind screens. She, he's saying, no, I don't have it. All right, fine. You're not going to get it. I think it might be on your skinny, however. So, um, so let me pray for you, Don, and then we're just going to launch right in, and we'll get you interacting. So get ready, because this is an interactive sermon. Lord, thank you for Donnie. I just pray a rich blessing on him as he shares. Thank you for this passage from Isaiah that is so powerful. And I pray that you would help us to see the richness in your word this morning as he shares. And as we, we cooperate, as we interact, I pray that it would just be a really rich time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, friends that are here in the house and those of you that are online that are joining us this morning. Do you remember the story of old about a boy with a colorful coat, about his father who loved him and his brothers who despised him, who was sold as a slave along an Egyptian road? Do you remember this dreamer in a dungeon and a baker who lost his head and a cupbearer who forgot what was said, a pharaoh who was troubled by visions of cows and sheaths. And yet, this young man who awoke as a slave and his prime minister went to sleep. Who am I talking about here? Joseph. Okay, don't put the slide up until they answer, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Jared. All right, Joseph, good practice. All right, ready for another one? Do you remember a boy who slung, a boy who sung to sheep, who slung a sling and slayed a giant, who was selected from among seven brothers to become king, loyal to both his friends and his enemies, celebrated, celebrated as the one who had a whole heart for God, even despite his iniquities? established forever in the family line of the king of kings. Who am I talking about? David. David. All right, you're getting this. Do you remember how it was told about an orphan girl and her cousin who was old? A search for a queen, one night with the king. And if salvation does not come from you, then it shall arise from another. But you were brought up for such a time as this. Who am I talking about here? Esther. Do you remember a city in ruins, another cupbearer serving another king, a burden, an intercession, and the courage to ask for one thing, 52 days to rebuild a broken wall and rehang its gates. 52 days to remind a broken people their true identity. And 81 days to reset the button of their cultural and societal identity of walking with God. Who am I talking about here? Nehemiah, yes. And we're going to take some time as we look at some of these stories from the Old Testament and especially looking at Nehemiah, who's one of my personal favorites. We're going to take some time to see what are the things that motivated Nehemiah 
in his walk with God. Are you ready for this? We're going to get interactive here in a few minutes with getting into the scripture. But I love these stories from the Old Testament because they communicate hope, triumph over insurmountable challenges, being able to partner with the Holy Spirit, and seeing good things come, even despite their fears, their hangups, and their failures. These are people just like you and me. So I've researched Nehemiah over the years and presented him as a case study about community development in biblical uh, community development courses that I ran out in Kona, Hawaii. And some of the things that really stood out about Nehemiah is his heart of integrity and his connection with his God. So just a little bit of context for Nehemiah. His memoirs, his story takes place starting in 445 B.C., And some things that are speculation about Nehemiah that we don't know is his family line. It's speculated that perhaps he was a descendant of the house of David, that he had royal blood. Or perhaps that he was a eunuch. Because think about it. He was serving in the king's court with the queen, with the king's concubines around, princesses. There was no room for funny business. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel of old, they were entrusted to serve in the court in intimacy and proximity to the king and the king's women. We do know that Nehemiah served a Persian king who went by the name of Artaxerxes and that he was a cupbearer. Now, when you think about cupbearer, you're probably wondering what was such a big deal about that anyway, right? What is a cupbearer? Well, a cupbearer was the modern or is the ancient equivalent of a modern day secret service agent. He's the first line of defense for the king against poison. So day after day, Nehemiah put his life on the line serving his king. Now, what was interesting about this is Nehemiah had proximity to the king day and night and was on call. And because of that proximity, he was also privy to the court proceedings of how a king by the name of Artaxerxes would conduct himself around his subjects and would give edicts and decisions and would cultivate order, beauty, abundance, and peace within his realm. So Nehemiah got a first-hand seat, a front-row seat, to be able to see this interaction. Years and years of seeing how the king would conduct the affairs of state. So, the time of the exile, if you recall, the Jews had been deported from their homeland by the Babylonians who'd conquered their country, who'd conquered Jerusalem, had destroyed its walls, destroyed its temple. Seventy years had passed, and then the temple was rebuilt. Well, another 70 years would pass until the time that Nehemiah would come on the scene. And this man was broken by what he heard with the state of affairs in the beloved city of Jerusalem. And how it was nearly uninhabited, it was desolate, it was not a safe place, it was very vulnerable to enemies that would come in and harass the people. This broke his heart. But yet, I say to you that the story of Nehemiah is not just about restoring a wall. That's only the surface story. And it only took 52 days. A grueling 52 days. But the big picture was what God was wanting to do within the hearts and minds, the worldview of the people that were there. 
and how he wanted to take them from a people that had been seemingly forgotten and bring a restoration of their identity, of their heritage, of reminding them who they were based upon their family lines, their community connections, their occupations, the connections that they had as a people, the cohesiveness that they had as a people. This was God's heart in the midst. The wall itself was just a catalyst to bring this about. And in 81 days, because the people had gathered around this governor who used to be a cupbearer, who had the anointing of God upon his life and his zeal in his heart to bring about a restoration, not just to the disorganization of the city, but also to bring about that restoration of identity to the people and a remembrance of what they are called to be and what they are called to walk out as a people with their God. It took gathering together a couple times and hearing the word of God being read back to them, the Old Testament law, to have the people reminded of this. And then there was the Jewish New Year season of the Feasts of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacle, a time of celebration, a time of renewal, a time of reset. Because the old season was in the past. Exile was history. They were now entering into a new season. So God was doing a massive reboot, a massive reset amongst the scattered people. Nehemiah's rule lasted beyond 12 years. And one of the quotes that he shares numerous times in his memoirs that just cracks me up when I hear it is, remember, oh my God, all that I've done for these people and bless me for it. And you'll see in his memoirs, he'll say, remember me, oh my God, numerous times for things that he had done, things that he was reminding God about what was going on with the circumstances around him. So my question's for you. Where did Nehemiah get his burden for the broken down city of Jerusalem? And the other question is, where did he get his zeal for promoting reformation amongst the Jewish exiles who had returned to Jerusalem. Here's my hypothesis. You ready for this? The writings of Isaiah, predominantly from chapter 52 through chapter 62. Now, Isaiah was a fellow, he was a prophet who had lived prior to the exile and the destruction of the southern kingdom of Judah. He lived about 200 years prior to Nehemiah. And in these chapters, 52 through 62, he reveals God's heart for his people and his concern about the brokenness of their land and of their beloved city. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time and we're going to dive into Isaiah 61. This is going to get interactive. For some of you, this might be a passage that you're very familiar with. For others of you, this might be one of those flyover areas of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's like, oh yeah, I've thumbed through Isaiah at some time or another, but I can't tell you a thing what was in there. That's okay. We have the opportunity to get into it together this morning. So if you have an electronic version on your phone such as the U app or another, I want to invite you to take it out. And I invite you to pull up the Tree of Life version or the TLV. And if you're not familiar with this, it's okay. It's the Messianic Jewish Bible. And 
I want to invite you to take a look at it this morning because there's some names of God that are spoken in here that maybe you're not super familiar with, but it's rich with texture. It's rich with meaning. If you don't have access to this, if you have your paper Bible and if it's one of the other versions, that's all right. Use what you have available. But if you do have this app, go ahead and open it up. It's the Tree of Life version, TLV. And as you're opening up, I'm going to read to you from it. It says, The Ruach Adonai Elohim is on me. Don't worry about these names. We will translate them. The Ruach Adonai Elohim is on me because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Adonai, and that he may be glorified. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore former desolations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. Children of foreigners will be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you will be called the Kohanim of Adonai. They will speak to you, they will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations and boast in their abundance. Instead of your shame, double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will sing for joy. Therefore, in their land, they will inherit a double portion and they will have everlasting joy. For I, Adonai, love justice. I hate robbery and the burnt offering. In faithfulness, I will reward my people and I'll cut an eternal covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize them, for they are the seed that Adonai has blessed. I will rejoice greatly in Adonai. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom wearing a priestly turban, like a bride adorning herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes things sown to spring up, so Adonai Elohim will cause justice and praise to spring up before all the nations. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant Isaiah who wrote these things thousands of years ago. Thank you for the power that is found in your word. And I'd ask and pray for my friends here that as we dive into this, that you would speak to us, that you'd reveal treasures that are found in your word to us today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So here's how this is going to work. Do you remember a few months ago, Andrew and some of our friends were talking about the inductive Bible study? Does that ring a bell for anybody? Yeah? Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to slam through it pretty quick, but we're going to do this. Here's how it's going to work. There are 11 verses found in Isaiah 61. There's 12 months of the year. In one of those months, you have a birthday, right? All right. I want you to take the month that correlates with your birthday and correlate it with the verse of Scripture that is found in here. Now, some of you might be saying to me, Dawn, my birthday is in December. There's not 12 verses that are in here. That's okay. Those Decemberites, any Decemberites here? Anybody? Focus on verse one. Okay, so you can double up with our friends that are from January that are focusing on verse one. Okay? Do you have your Bibles opened up? Do you have perhaps that Tree of Life version on your phone? Do you have access to that? Do you have some other version of the Bible in hand. Is everybody with me here? You guys ready to go? We're going to slam through this. I want to give you two minutes to look at that verse of scripture. 
that is in front of you that correlates with your birthday, ready, go. In this time, I want you to allow the scripture to speak to you. Okay? Don't try to speculate about what's in it. Read over it and over it and over it. Read through it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. All right, it's amazing how quickly two minutes go by. So we want to hear from our January birthdays about verse one. And I've got a couple mic runners that are out here. If you want to share what you saw from verse one, your January birthday, please raise your hand. We're going to take a couple people. Anybody? Anybody courageous? To share, or a, or a January, I'm sorry, a January or a December birthday. Yes. Anybody? All right, we have a hand back here. We have Judy. So last night we saw the movie, um, Sounds. Sound of Freedom. And so my heart was very grieved and awakened to the issue of uh, sex trade in our country and around the world. And so that verse 1 tells me Jesus cares about the captives. He cares about the prisoners, those who are brokenhearted. And he alone can heal. That's my hope. Amen. 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 Jared, can you advance the slide, please? Wait, go back, go back, go back to, uh, keep going back to verse one, two, and three. Thank you. Okay. A couple things as you look at verse one here, you see these names, Ruach Adonai Elohim. You might be wondering, what does that mean? It's Hebrew. And it's the spirit of my sovereign Lord and master. Think about the richness of that. Sometimes as we read English, some of these words just go over our heads as we see Lord. What does Lord really mean? Well, when you look at Adonai, it's a personal term. It means my master, my Lord. There's a relationship that is a connection that is here. So if you don't pull out anything else from this time in Isaiah 61, think about the relationship that your Lord, your master wants to have with you. Okay, so Judy shared from, from verse one. How about any February birthdays with verse two? Anybody? Okay, uh, did anybody have verse two? Show of hands. Anybody have a February birthday? Okay, I see Mark's hand over, oh, I see um, Michael's hand over there. 
Yes, Michael, you want to speak into verse 2? What did you see? Putting you on the spot here. No other February birthdays. So one, so one of the, I love you, Donnie. Uh, interesting to me was the, the frame of to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor, one thing. Uh, so to declare his joy, his favor, his grace, all the good things. But then in the midst of that, the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn, which was even though knowing what happened in the Old Testament and the themes of the Old Testament, it's still amazing to me that God is saying, I'm going to comfort those who mourn and I'm gonna, I, I'll let you know that there's coming a day that I will make all things right. I will level the playing field and bring that. That's kind of, that gets very real because a lot of times we want to avoid that conflict. That's a very conflict-laden statement. Amen. I've got one back here, Don. Okay. Where are you? There you are. I just was, it spoke to me about the contrast between the fact of the joy and the favor is a year, spoken of as the year of favor and joy, but the day of vengeance was spoken of as just a day. The difference between the good and the uh, what you don't want. In verses 1 and 2, thank you, friends. In verses 1 and 2, do you see the hope that is laced in these verses? And do you also notice the exchange that is occurring where God is saying to us, give me your stuff and I'm going to give you something amazing in response. Give me your brokenness. Give me your hurt. Give me the devastation in your life. And I want to exchange it for life. I want to bring about order, beauty, and abundance back into your life. I want to bring peace back into your life. You see that exchange that's occurring here? Okay. Verse 3, any March birthdays? All right. All right. We got a few here. My first? first? Yeah, so to me, it was, it's a total transformation. And, you know, as you think of Israel, they're, I mean, uh, they're, they're in uh, exile and been mourning. I mean, their lives are not what they used to be, right? They were totally devastated. And this brings about a total transformation. This scripture has always been just very precious to me. And, um, you know, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for heaviness, a total transformation. I'm taking away the heaviness. I'm giving you something different. I'm transforming your life, right? And that we would be called oaks of righteousness, that God would plant them. And, and of course, in Nehemiah's case, it was planting them back where they belonged, right? Amen. He was going to bring them back and plant them in their land. But, you know, for us as believers, that he would plant us and that we would grow strong and mighty. And, um, yeah. Amen. Thank you, Maggie. Okay, one more. Short and sweet, Joy. Short and sweet. Oh, that he, he's building them up by consoling them, bringing the oil, uh, praising, and building them up in righteousness to become strong so that God can be glorified. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All righty. April birthdays, verse 4. Who do we have? Randy. There's no coincidence with God. And my verse says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, and I'm a contractor. So hmm. that's what I got. And then I also got the um, rebuilding the generations as well. That's right. It's multidimensional. It's not just one thing. It's multidimensional. Amen. What? Okay. Um, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. And that spoke to me of stuff that's so old, we like gave up hope. Mm. You know, and he's, 
He is restoring former desolations and renewing ruined cities. And it speaks of many generations. So the, the woundings and, and curses and problems of your past grandparent, great-grandparents, all that stuff. He's taken the ax to that. So. Thanks, Annie. Mm. All right, so May. Any May birthdays? You, okay, yes. Any other May birthdays? All right, well, let me speak to this one a little bit. So verse 5 has an agricultural context. It says, Strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. Children of foreigners will be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Agriculture has always been the heart and the soul of every nation. And when agriculture collapses, nations collapse. And so to be able to have people that come in, even those that are from foreign lands, and to be able to serve has always been a blessing to nations. All right, verse 6. Any June birthdays? A few June birthdays over there. Uh, just the first, the first half, it says, um, you will be called. And then it says, uh, they will speak of you. And so my thought was, um, what do people around you call you? Sorry, I'm preaching a little bit. And what will they speak about you? And it's cool here. They'll, they'll be called the priests of the Lord and the ministers of our God. And so as people like look at us in our life, like what do we represent? Like, uh, do we represent followers of Jesus, the Lord of our life? Any other June people? Okay. As you look at this passage, you see a lot of titles. You see roles. You see responsibilities. And these are God-given things. And these are not meant to be a burden, but meant to be a joy that we carry with us into the community at large and being able to serve in the different areas of influence that we have. All right, verse seven, July birthday, anybody? Um, on verse seven, after I read it a few times, it showed to me that that exchange you're talking about, like, um, instead of our shame, there will be a double portion. Initially, when I read double portion, I think like, oh, tangible. Are we going to get, you know, because then it talks about um, in your land, they shall possess a double portion. But when I kept reading it, there's no like guarantee that double portion is tangible. Um, so exchanging your shame for a double portion. And then at the end, it talks about everlasting joy. And I think it's just such a good reminder that, um, and they will rejoice in their lot. He can give us a double portion of joy, even when our circumstances are awful. Um, and so just exchanging that, those, just where our hope is found um, and where we find our joy and our contentment when even our circumstances are awful. So. Amen. Thanks, Cassidy. So there's this exchange element that's occurring, this restitution that's occurring. Okay. Verse 8. Actually, verses 8 and 9 are a very unique section. Let's see who can pick up on it. Verse 8. Um, <clears throat> verse 8, uh, God is actually talking. Um, in verse 4 through 7, Isaiah was talking about the people of God. But in verse 8, uh, he says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And Lord is capitalized here. Um, and uh, in many other verses it is too. That's actually uh, God's personal name, um, Yahweh or Jehovah in some translations. So 
he's saying, this is me. This is God. This is my personal name. I love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. So I think we could take comfort that, you know, God cares about us personally. He sees the difficulties we go through and he, he identifies himself personally. Amen. Thanks, Kurt. Um, eight and nine are summaries of sorts for seven and six, which are very um, wonderfully phrased. However, in eight, it's very simple. I hate this and I love this. And he says, in faithfulness, it's his faithfulness because he knows we're flawed. <laughs> and his people will be blessed. His people will be blessed with this new covenant, the eternal covenant, which doesn't come till Christ comes. And then it goes, these are the blessings in nine, what will happen for his people because of what happens in the new covenant. Mm. Thank you, Beth. Yes. All right, so you see this unique element where God is speaking in the first person and he's communicating his heart and his care and his concern for his people. All right. So we're up to verse 10. Any October birthdays? Uh, what stood out the most, I guess I didn't need that. Well. Uh, what stood out the most was uh, in, right there in the first part, my soul will be joyful in my God. And it was just a reminder that when in my God, I have the power and authority through him, through Christ, that I can tell my soul to be joyful. I command my soul to be joyful in God. And we know that our souls are our mind, our will, and in our emotions. And so if I have control over my mind and my will and my emotions in God, I can tell it to be joyful despite whatever circumstance. Amen. Amen. And enjoy their strength. A joyful soul is full of strength. Amen. All right. So we see that um, Isaiah is speaking again in this verse 10. And he's communicating that his heart is overflowing because his God loves him and is filled with joy. All right, verse 11. Any, any November birthdays in the house? Verse 11. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes things sown to spring up, so Adonai Elohim will cause justice and praise to spring up before all the nations. So the theme for me was we start in verse 1 and even in the movie with all that injustice and pain that we have in the world um, that the Lord, our God, Jesus, Adonai Elohim, will bring up justice and praise throughout all the world. Amen. What I was impressed with was the, uh, the fact that as things spring up, it's a, it's over time. It's it's not something that just happens. It it causes justice and praise to spring up before all the nations. So in in the growth, as justice grows and and uh, the nations get to see, or the outside people outside the church get to see what's going on inside the church, that it's drawn to it and sees God's glory. Mm. Great insights great insights. There's this element of multiplication that occurs. And as Eric just mentioned, it takes time. It's not just a rapid, immediate thing, even though sometimes it can be. But yet, just like a garden takes time to sprout up and grow, there's something that's going to be obvious to the people around, to the nations around, that they may taste and see that God is good. So you can see why Nehemiah might be encouraged and why he might be inspired as he read through 
this text of old that predated him about 200 years, these promises that were given to Isaiah that spoke about hope, reconciliation, restoration, renewal, rehabilitation, restitution, revitalization of not just the physical surroundings, but of the brokenness of the people themselves. And you can see why Nehemiah might be stirred up. So as you read through this passage of Isaiah that we just did, are you stirred? Are there things that you see in this that you can grab a hold of and say, I want that in my life. I want that in my family. I want that in the neighborhood that I live in. I want that in my community. I want that in my region. I want that in my state. I want that in my nation. Is there anybody here that as they have seen this passage in Isaiah can say, I want that? Anybody? Yes. We all need that. And we're all in process. We're all on some sort of continuum with this. And praise God. And we have the potential to walk this out, to grab a hold of it, just like Nehemiah did, and say, I want this. And I'm willing to spend myself because of this on a people who may not want it. But I'm going to live to tell. I'm going to live to reveal to them the goodness of God so they may taste and see that my God wants to bring about a restoration of order, beauty, abundance, and peace in our midst. So my question for you is, where do you find yourself? Are you barely surviving? Or are you fully thriving? Where are you at on this continuum? I think all of us can say we want to be at fully thriving. And just like the Jews that Nehemiah was working with, when they took that time and got steeped in the word of God and made themselves available to the Holy Spirit to say, as a community, we commit to your ways. God did the reboot and took them from that time, that season, that hard, long season of devastation and desolation and brokenness and loss of identity to a place where they were being restored and renewed, revitalized, like a garden springing up back to life. That's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. And like you, I'm on that continuum as well. There's areas in my life that need that constant renewal, that constant revitalization, that constant nurturing to move towards fully thriving. My question for you is this. What does human flourishing look like for you? Andrew has been collecting the tabulations. Yeah, we've got some. Do you have any responses for us? We've got some great responses. Um, Abundance, contentment, peace. Quite a few responses about peace. Vision, realize, realized. uh, Shalom, your soul prospering. Every area of our lives are being blessed. Thrived and blessed and everything you need. Growing. Um, there was quite a bit about uh, agricultural, a beautiful, vibrant, full of life flowering plant. thought that was beautiful. Having great relationships, a great reputation, good health, and established financially. Um, it means not survival mode, but it means having more than enough and be able to grow and mature. 
overflowing with abundance that overflows on everyone, health and blossoming emotionally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, a way full of joy, experiencing the whole kingdom of God, abundance, high, agricult- high yield agriculture. Um, but interestingly enough, on my app, I've never seen it done this before. It puts everybody's answer in the same font, except for this one, which is like three times as big. I don't, I don't know why it did that, but I think maybe it's the Lord. And here's what it says in huge letters. A person who is busting out with the Holy Spirit. Person who's so busting out with the Holy Spirit. I think the Lord is using digital means to highlight that. I mean, guys, it's like it won't even fit on the screen. It's so big. <laughs> so cool. I don't understand it except for thank you for those things. I think yes. that this gives a good sense of at least what these guys are thinking about is flourishing, right? Yes. Thank you for sharing these things. Mm. Human flourishing. Maybe you've heard that term before. Maybe you haven't. A friend of mine by the name of Sky Jafani who I get to sit under his teaching for about a week out in Kona. Uh, he is a CMA guy that's from the Midwest. He's also a Christian influencer. He works with guys like Phil Vischer, does podcasts. He's been an online editor. He's written numerous books, one of them by the name of Futureville. Discover your purpose for today by reimagining tomorrow. Let me just give you a quick summary of what Futureville is about. So you remember in Genesis, God created everything. He created a garden. There was order. There was beauty. There was abundance. There was peace. Everything was right. Everything was good. Everything was the way it should be. But what happened? Sin entered into the picture. And because of that, Death, brokenness, disease, scarcity, devastation, and chaos ensued. But yet you fast forward, and God had a plan. He brought Jesus onto the scene. Jesus to bring a restoration, a reset, a reboot to bring about God's intentions, God's intentions all along for order, beauty, abundance, and peace to break the curse in all of its forms and to bring that restoration to his people and to his land. The Bible ends with Revelation 20 and there's a scene of a city, a new city with a garden and a river running through it and a tree with leaves for the healing of the nations. That's God's heart. That's the journey he's taken us on. And so the question that Sky poses to us is how might we be cultivating human flourishing in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us, flourishing in general, wherever we have areas of influence. It could be in our own home, in our marriage, with our kids, in our occupation, in our interactions with our neighbors, in our time in the marketplace, in our civic responsibilities, in our interaction, wherever we go. How might we be bringing about order, beauty, abundance, and peace? So this is a question that I pose to you. And we're going to close up here momentarily. But as you look at Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, there's a, a passage that's always struck me where Jesus has come out of the desert. He's been tempted by the devil. He comes back to his hometown of Nazareth. He enters into the synagogue. And as it was customary, there was a reading of the text. And the scripture was opened to Isaiah 61 for that day. 
And Jesus stood up and he took that passage and he said, the spirit of the living God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to proclaim proclaim the release of the captives and sight to the blind and that the oppressed will be free. And that the time of God's favor, the time of Adonai's favor has come. It is here and now. And then he put down the scripture. And he said, this passage that you've just heard has now come to pass. This passage out of Isaiah 61 was Jesus' mission statement. It's what he was about. Everything he did was to bring about a restoration, a reconciliation, a renewal, a restitution, and hope for broken and desperate people. Because no matter how good things were with the reboot that Nehemiah had done with the people, people were still broken. And there's a world of broken people around us that need to hear this good news, that need to know it, that need to taste and see it. And so my encouragement to you as we close is how might you Nurture human flourishing, order beauty and abundance in your areas of influence. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the treasure that is found in Isaiah 61. We thank you for the courage and the conviction and the example of men like Nehemiah. And we thank you that you sent Jesus to be the one, to be the catalyst, to be the solution, to bring about a restoration of order, beauty, abundance, and peace among your people. Please help all of us to be able to live this out personally and in the areas that you take us on our daily walks. Help us to walk this out with you, Holy Spirit. Allow this word to resonate in our hearts and to be revealed in our lives. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're in the house today and you're saying to me, Don, I feel like I am barely surviving. We want you to come on up here and get prayed for. We got different people that are part of our prayer team. In fact, I want to invite them to come on up now that are available. If you're also thinking, hey, I'm on this trajectory where I'm, I'm thriving, but I want to see this renewal occur in my family or my community or my business, then come on up and get prayed for. Today is the day. So be encouraged. And for those of you that are joining us online today, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.